Welcome back to another episode of That's Foul. I am Troy Mason, and I thought the doc was going to be here, but he's not because I I don't know. I don't know. We had plans to do shit together yesterday. I uh, I I don't really know what happened. So now I'm sitting here. I'm kind of drunk. This might be kind of interesting. Not as far as content-wise, but as far as me being drunk trying to ramble and make all this shit work. Um, so yeah. Before we get into the heartbreaking losses that were the National League tiebreaker and the National League wildcard game. We have the most important piece of information that we've ever given out on this podcast. And this are all the, well, all the important facts that uh, you need to know about. All the position player pitching that happened this year. Um, You know, this is just one of those things that happen when games get blown out and there's not really... Like, what are you going to do? You're not going to waste a fucking bullpen arm um, when you're down by 13 runs. You're just not. You're just like, fuck it. We'll just put anyone out there because at this point it doesn't matter. Um, So, yeah. All in all, there were 48 players who were position players who pitched this year. And they had an absolutely stellar an immaculate 11.78 ERA, which, if we're going to be honest here, not that bad. It's really not that bad, considering these are people who don't pitch on any sort of regular basis, ever. But yeah, 11.78, cool with that. Um, And these 48 players gave up 31 walks and 22 strikeouts. And I believe, um, now the, where I got that information from isn't the same place where I got the information for the number of innings pitch, but I believe that it was 46 and two thirds. So 22 Ks by a bunch of fucking backup catchers. Like, yo, you take that. You take that. That is awesome. I feel like it is good for the game to have a shitty people pitching <clears throat> so there we go congrats to everyone who pitched this year and may never pitch again and may have never pitched before this year your work and your effort is commended and i thank you i mean the best pitcher is anthony rizzo who i believe he got two innings pitched um I don't know if he has any strikeouts, but I know he ain't give up no run. Might be the best bullpen arm of all time. I mean, I'm just saying, like, facts. The facts are there. He gave up no runs. He has a career ERA of 0.00. I mean, it doesn't get better than that. You cannot have a negative ERA. So, I'm just saying. So I made the unfortunate mistake of sitting through the National League tiebreaker. Um, which, that wasn't a good game. 
I mean, it was exciting and there was drama to it because there were stakes attached. But at the end of the day, the game wasn't that good. Um, I want to say the teams combined for like eight hits and the Brewers won, thus winning the National League Central Division with 95 wins and 63 losses. Is that my, is my math right on that? No, no. 62, 5, 7, 67. 60. Either way. Congrats to the Brew Crew for doing that. And I feel kind of weird saying that because I understand that there is the rivalry between the Brewers and the Cubs. But I'm not from Chicago. So, like, I can't, I can't, re- that is very clearly a regional and a proximity type of rivalry. And I just don't, like, that's not me. I'm not into it in that way for those reasons. Um, so there's that. They won a game three to one. And so the next day, the Cubs got to host the Rockies, who lost their tiebreaker game with the Dodgers the next night. And once again, another one of those games that probably just felt better than it actually was because of the stakes and the drama and the narratives going on around it. Um, but the game just, game itself just, I mean, people were getting hits and just not rocking, not getting anyone in. That was like the story of the game. Um, the Rockies won a game in 13 innings, which is the longest postseason game in MLB history. Yo, that game ended at like 1 a.m., man. I... I don't know how I set it up for that because usually when I see midnight, I'm like, bro, I'm too tired to even function. I cannot think. I'm just mm, not. But yeah, the game at around 1 a.m. Congratulations to the Colorado Rockies for winning it. Um, Man, just Kyle Freeland was fucking ridiculous he had six and two thirds inning pace only gave up four hits and a walk with six strikeouts and the thing that got me about this is it kyle freeland he's a sinker ball pitcher he you usually get him to get a lot of ground outs um by pitching down in the zone and getting guys to ground out that's that's been his game um but, yo, he was throwing four seamers high in the zone that no one could catch up with. And it's not as if he was throwing, like, absolute fire. Um, you know, he hit 90, 94 consistently the first few innings. Might have hit 95 a few times. Um, yeah, like, not... Which is ridiculously fast for us laymans, like, for sure. But... <sighs> You're talking about that man. It's not like he's Jacob DeGron or Noah Syndergaard out here chucking you like 98, 99. That is impossible to catch up to. Um, no, like, I mean, if you're a good hitter, you can catch up to a 94. Um, at least you're at least your second at bat, second or third. 
you know, once you see it a few times, it makes it easier for you to catch up to. Cubs couldn't fucking do that, man. Kyle Freeland just balled, balled this entire game. Um, but so did John Lester. Nine strikeouts in six innings, four hits, a walk, and an earned run. I don't know what else you expect out of John Lester at that point. Um, you know, got himself got himself out of some sticky situations that fortunately didn't cost them. Um, it was just a fantastic matchup by two incredible starting pitchers. And if not, if you only watch baseball for offense, you didn't enjoy this game. But if you enjoy watching pitching and just ridiculous movement and the ability to paint the quarters, um, this game had what you needed, period. Because even when all the reliers came in, um, Octavino for the Rockies had a fantastic outing, um, even though he did give up like the tying run in the eighth. Octavino came in and like his stuff was just ridiculous. You're watching these breaking pitches just go like fucking four feet out of out of the strike zone. I mean, I'm over exaggerating. You get the gist that I'm getting at. Like, his stuff was amazing. And just the sheer amount of movement on all of his pitches were just... Ugh. Ugh. I don't, I don't really know what you do about that. Um, but yeah, man, I, I know most people uh, who aren't baseball fans didn't really enjoy that game. And... I feel like that that is all their loss. Because it was, it was fun. My opinion. My opinion means nothing. My opinion means nothing, yet I'm still sitting here doing this podcast. So, is that a lack of self-awareness? Or am I self-aware enough to acknowledge that that's the case, but still do it? Hmm. Either way. Um... Go Rockies, I guess, because I can't really root for the Brewers, even though I did, even though I did and do think that they will win the pennant because they've been the best team, and you know how postseason baseball goes. If you're the hottest team going in, your chances are better than most. Um, I ain't gonna lie, I didn't watch any of the. Yankees thrashing the A's. I did not see that happening. And I didn't see it happen. You can determine what your takes are on that one. Um, So, yeah. Now, I do got just a few, few hot takes from uh, week four NFL action. Uh... Dolphins got their shit pushed in. Um, although, for the first time in a while, it didn't, to me watching, it didn't feel as if it was because they didn't have the talent. It was pure scheme and coaching. Um, 
Because I don't know how many times you need to try to throw a timing based deep route to Kenny Stills or Albert Wilson and have it not work before you give up. Um, all I know is with Adagase and Dowell logins, it reached double digits. I'm pretty sure it was at least close. Um, and I just don't understand how, how that's your game plan to not make anything easier on Tannehill and the wide receivers to have them just run bubble screens or deep routes. Like there's just no creativity with the offense. Um, I mean, I understand the offensive line couldn't run block for shit, which is why Frank Gore got more carries than Kenny and Drake. It's another head scratcher. Um, but like they just didn't, it felt like the coaching staff just didn't even try to do anything to help the offense at all. They didn't try any misdirection. They didn't, I didn't see very many play fakes. Granted, I mean, it's kind of hard to play fake when you can't run, but you figure you'd at least try sometimes. I mean, you look at all the best offenses in the NFL right now. They're all running misdirection. They're all running play fakes. They're all getting guys into space with scheme um, and relying little on like the skill position players' talent to make it happen. Not to say that the best offenses don't have guys who can do that, because they most certainly do. But if you can scheme a guy open, I feel like that gives you a much better shot to, I don't know, run a successful offense than just counting on you guys to go out there and be like, just beat him. You can do that occasionally. Um, and I feel, you know, as an outside observer, I feel like that would just be good for your psyche if you just, like trust you be like, hey, they're going to go out there and man coverage, just beat your guy. You're better than him. Just do it. Like, there's something to be said for that. But, like, you know, you got to make things easier for someone. like, And that is entirely on the coaching staff. I felt like the defense overall played pretty well, despite, um, I don't know, I, I feel like it's it's a fluke 38 that, that the Pats gave up. Um, and... I don't know if I'm, I'm not trying to be biased or a homer because that is just not who I am. That's not what I try to be, but like, I felt like overall the defense played well considering what they did, like the first few drives, but like when your offense is literally going three and out your first six, seven possessions, when you're only able to sit down on the sidelines for two minutes at a time before you have to go back out there and try to stop Tom Brady again. I just, I don't know what to do. Probably the most surprising thing um, defensively was just how little pass rush there was. Um, Like Robert Quinn and Cameron Wake were effectively rendered 
useless in the entire game. And I don't know if that's a credit to just how good the Patriots offensive line is. I don't even know if it's good. Um, or I like, I just don't know, but the lack of pass rush was like, that was disheartening because you figure if nothing else, Quinn and Wade can do that, but that didn't happen either. Um, but yeah, uh, so Dolphins are on to Cincinnati. Titans Eagles. One of the more entertaining games, uh, because everyone kind of, that was the kind, when players show up and they play the way you expect them to, it's entertaining. Uh, Marcus Mariota, beast. Carson Wentz, looked like himself. Like, I didn't think Carson Wentz was spectacular, but he gave you what you expect out of him. He made a few athletic plays, um, which I feel like that was kind of like the big question because one of the things that make Carson Wentz as good as he is is his athleticism, his ability to break tackles and move out of the pocket, to run RPOs. Like, that's one of the things that makes Carson Wentz go um he missed a lot of throws threw some dimes just the guys were effectively wide open all day because mike variable is amazing at defense just gonna let that sit there yep but yeah like the um the touchdown that went through to jordan matthews i believe the 50 plus yarder um and that was just a perfect play like jordan matthews beat beat the cornerback not by much it was still like fairly tight coverage um and it like went had to throw that ball like he couldn't under throw jordan matthews on it otherwise it would have been a pick but he did he dropped it right where Jordan Matthews could catch it in stride. And there was just a horse race at that, at that point, And it was gone. Like Carson Wentz did make some good throws. Be obligated to get this out there before Stephanie starts coming at me. Like, bitch, did you watch the game? I'm like, yes, I, I'm like, I watched the game. Like, fine. I will give Carson Wentz credit because he made good throws. He did also make a lot of throws to wide open wide receivers which i feel like context matters um but i do have questions as to what the hell jim schwartz was thinking on the game winning touchdown um he called it cover zero which is effectively man coverage with a six-man rush like usually five to six men, you know, everyone who doesn't have a guy is rushing. Um, so the Titans, they went out there with three wide receivers, a tight end, a Deion Lewis. Um, they knew it was going to be heavy blitz. So they kept seven guys in pass protection, which, you know, you only had three guys out there running routes. 
Um, Corey Davis, I believe, like actually fell on his route. And then Mariota threw, he threw a ball high and let, uh, oh no, that was, uh, fuck, that wasn't Corey Davis that fell. Uh, Taiwan Taylor? That's what I'm going with. I'm going with Taiwan Taylor. But yeah, so he threw a, he threw a high ball and just let Corey get, Corey Davis go up and get it because he didn't have immaculate. He didn't have a whole lot of separation on his guy. But when you go back and watch this play, there's two linebackers literally just standing at the eight yard line, honestly doing nothing. Um, which I mean, I guess you got to give Matt Lafle- Matt Lafleur credit for calling a play in what was a predictably Kyra Zero defensive play call. Um, I don't know, but if you go back and just watch that second half, just everything Mariota did was perfect. I mean, not everything. Missed a few throws. Missed a few wide open guys, but um, overall, when you look at the overall body of work from the second half, Mariota was just fucking incredible. Even if uh, there were a few plays that were reminiscent of what Mike Malarkey was doing. And that, I mean, you want to talk about something you never want to do. Uh, trying to... Having someone compare you to Mike Malarkey will never, ever be a compliment. It's just not. Then you had the Sunday night game. Steelers-Ravens. And I believe that the two biggest takeaways from this game... Well, I mean, there's, I guess, two and a half. Um, one, that's Steelers Stevens. Boo-boo. Absolutely boo-boo. Couldn't stop Alex Collins. Couldn't stop John Brown. Michael Crabtree knew how to fucking catch a ball. They wouldn't be able to stop him either. There was nothing they could do. John Brown was literally beating everyone in that secondary. Couldn't get a pass rush. I just... Like I don't know how you feel about this if you're a Steelers fan. Like, do you just kind of like reluctantly accept the fact that um defense is garbage and hope that your offense can keep up? But it's kind of hard for your offense to keep up when James Conner is getting two yards of carry. You miss Le'Veon Bell yet? Now, an interesting point, and something that I hadn't considered until uh, Levitard mentioned it, was at the beginning of the year when you had the Steelers' offensive lineman making all those comments about Le'Veon Bell, um, you know, basically giving him shit for not showing up. Uh, it's like they failed to recognize it was, it was a symbiotic relationship. Like the fact that Le'Veon Bell is so talented made their slightly above-average offensive line look a lot better than it actually was because Le'Veon Bell could produce with it. Um, James Conner can't. 
I I feel like week one was a fluke based on what we've seen from James Conner since then, which has been nothing on the ground. I mean, he shows some proficiency as a pass catcher, but even still, like, he ain't Le'Veon Bell. Period. Um, So there's that. And now you got all this uh, word that Le'Veon Bell is going to come back during the bye week, which I feel like is a baller-ass move. Because, I mean, if he can show up and get a free check, do it. Because you play 16 games... You get seventeen paychecks. You don't get you don't just get paid on game day. You get paid every week. So if he does show up week seven during the bye week and gets a free paycheck, I'm kind of here for that. If he still waits till the absolute last moment that he can to get the year accrued, so he can't be franchise tag next year, here for that too. Whatever. And I can't believe we've actually reached the point um, that Joe Flacco is better than Ben Roethlisberger. Not overall, not for their careers, but right now, this exact point in time, you would be out of your goddamn mind to say that Ben Roethlisberger is playing better than Joe Flacco. So this kind of ties back into the whole Le'Veon Bell thing. Um... Does having Bell make defenses have to pay more attention to the running game so they can't just eliminate Antonio Brown whatsoever? Because I kind of feel like that's what the Ravens did. And they they ran... Uh, fuck, not Brandon Carr. Um, I'm blanking on who they are at the corners. But they put him on Antonio Brown, and then they would always wrote... And then they rotated... Eric Weddle over effectively every play. I haven't gone and watched like the all 22 on it. Um, so I can't say for certain that that's what happened, but I feel like every play was, I could tell what Eric Weddle was doing. Um, is he was giving the cornerback help over the top, which rendered Antonio Brown absolutely useless. Um, but yeah, so when Antonio Brown can't do anything and Juju Smith-Schuster, who is a saint and I love him and like just follow Juju on all the social medias that you can. It's worth it. It's worth it. He is innocent and pure and he can't sing, but he does it anyways and I love it. But like Roethlisberger just looks washed at this point in time. I mean, before he was able to get by getting balls in the general vicinity of Antonio Brown. But he's not even doing that. Like, the few times he does, Antonio Brown does what he can with it. But, like, in general, if you look at the totality of all of his passes, he's not really giving Antonio Brown a chance to do much. Um, And I feel like that, that is an important... Uh, distinction to you know that's important to recognize like the when he like yes Antonio Brown is technically getting the targets but not all of them are actual targets to where you could expect Antonio Brown to actually 
do anything with it. Like, yes, I can shout at Washington, D.C. I can shout in that general direction. But that doesn't mean I'm actually yelling at a senator. That's probably a bad metaphor, but I'm doing it anyways. Um, I, I don't lie. Those were the only three games uh, that I watched this week. I'm sure there's other takeaways from everything else. I just don't know exactly what they are. So we're not going to get them. Uh, but the NBA is on its way back. The NHL is back as of last night. Um, I ain't got nothing for you on the, on the NHL front, but I do got a few good stories from the NBA. Um, can we just take a second and laugh at Malik Monk for getting to put on his jersey before a preseason game? Take a second. Laugh at it. The man was about to check in. And he took his warm-up off. And then they're like, oh, you can't actually go in the game. Because you're not in uniform. Wow. Man, I had to go back to the locker room and put his shit in. It was... I laughed. You can laugh. I don't think he's dumb. It's just exhibited the behavior of someone who is dumb. That would be cool. Shit happens. Um, I realized after I said that, I was unnecessarily condescending in ways that I hadn't quite actually uh, meant. So we're just going to leave it at that. Um, I still don't know what's going on with this uh, Kobe Bryant, Matt Barnes like situation. Like We all know the gif of Matt Barnes trying to make Kobe quote-unquote flinch. Which, you know, by shoving, you know, pretending to throw the ball in his face without actually doing it. Kobe didn't flinch. He didn't flinch, but he was moving to the side when it happened. So as if... I'm trying to figure out a way to do this orally. Um, and not visually. And I don't really know a good way to do that, but Kobe was swaying side to side, bouncing from foot to foot. As he went to his left, the ball went by. Well, it didn't go by, but, you know, he effectively moved his head to the left as the ball got thrown in his face. And we've all been telling ourselves for years, years, that... Kobe not flinching, and Matt Barnes, you know, that's, you know, Mamba mentality. What the fuck is Mamba mentality? I still don't know. I just see those phrases show up from time to time. If someone can explain it to me, please at me. I need to know. Either way, if you're a Kobe stan, you're going to be like, well, it don't matter that it wasn't like directly in his face. He still ain't flinch. And okay, fine. You're not a Kobe stain. You're like, well, it wasn't like directly in his face. So like, it don't count. Okay, that's fine too. But like, it did completely kill the myth of Kobe not flinching. Because now there's a debate about it. The only way that Kobe could have won this would be if like the overhead shot never came out. If no one ever saw that. If we all went to the grave 
thinking that the ball was a quarter of an inch from hitting Kobe's nose. That's the only way. That's the only way that Kobe could have won this. Now there's a debate, and if there's a debate, you lose. It's end of story. And then you had Kyrie Irving out here. You know this motherfucker, man. Uh, I don't. It's like he completely gave up on his trolling. I don't even know if he was trolling. But, like, it kind of felt like that's what he was doing with this whole, like, flatter thing. Yeah, well, you know, there's there's other sources of information out there. People do research it. First of all, fuck you. First of all. Fuck you. Fuck you, Kyrie. Like, we make schools. And there are astronomers. And we have this wealth of information that have given us the simple effect that the earth is round the earth rotates around the sun and our solar system rotates around the center of the galaxy as it kind of not aimlessly wanders through space but whatever i'm not going to get that in depth with it we're not here for science facts not today so Kyrie apologized for saying that he thought the earth was flat saying that there needs to be more research done because i'm gonna be honest with you carrie like we didn't think you were dumb for thinking that we were thinking you were dumb for standing by it it would have been entirely different if you were just like hey here's a conspiracy theory i don't know if i believe it it's kind of interesting to think about fine we can accept that we've accepted a lot dumber conspiracy theories than the flat earth thing but when there is legit empirical scientific data to disprove whatever whatever your conspiracy theory is motherfucker actually no you know what we did think you were dumb for thinking that because it's a dumb thing to think and if you're just trying to be controversial for the sake of being controversial. Boy. Boy, boy, boy. I, I got... Like, did Kyrie just finally reach the point where he realized his trolling wasn't going the way he wanted it to? Because that's what it sounds like to me. His trolling didn't quite work. So now he has to go out there and apologize to science teachers... For making them have to reteach curriculums and shit like that. Um, but Kyrie, man, the fuck are you doing? What the fuck are you doing? Are you happy I made it through this whole podcast without mentioning anything, even like kind of serious? Kind of serious. I am. I am. There's a lot of shit going on. Avoiding it right now. I'm just here for jokes and I'm here to have fun. But thanks to Kyrie Irving. That will get us into this week's Power Rankings. Which, this week, thanks to Kyrie Irving, is going to be Conspiracy Theory Edition. Now, I'm not doing top five most plausible conspiracy theories. No. I'm not doing the five that I'm like, eh, maybe there's something to it. 
No, I'm I'm doing just like the five most ridiculous. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? Kinds of conspiracy theories. Um, now there are some honorable mentions here. Um, first thing I can think of is um, dinosaurs helped build the pyramids. Yep. Yep, this is an actual thought that people have. That dinosaurs and humans existed at the same time. The thing that really pissed me off about this is the only thing that they used to really like connect the fact that this may have happened is in the Bible and the Old Testament. There's... It's not even like an actual reference to dinosaurs. It's not. But they're using the Bible as a historical like context point for dinosaurs and humans who were building pyramids to exist at the same time. And no. Just no. That just completely throws out all the evidence of like carbon dating which is pretty fucking solid either way so there's that you also have uh uh, where is it oh yeah the large hadron collider is a device for awakening osiris and osiris is also known as shiva in Hindu belief. <sighs> Apparently, just the simple fact that the engineering team, like the fuck, what's the word? You have theoretical physics and experimental physics. Like the fact that the two groups of people who have combined to and joined efforts to create the Large Hadron Collider. Were extremely multicultural, um, and they all kind of like hat like added their own um, flavor throughout the construction of the facility that houses the Large Hadron Collider. Like, okay, there were a lot of physicists who were Hindu, so outside of CERN headquarters. There is a Shiva statue. Okay. Okay. Just okay. Um, and then like the only other like real like redeeming, well, it's not even redeeming. Like the only other thing that I really see that substantiates this uh, conspiracy theory is wow, you can fit a circle in a circle. Yeah. I I. I'm not bullshitting this. For instance, like, where do they take the pictures of the particles colliding in the Large Hadron Collider? Um, they literally just impose a picture of Shiva doing the cosmic dance, like, on top of it. They're like, wow, look how perfectly this lines up. Bitch, it's a circle in a circle. A circle in a circle. I don't. You can make any circle fit on top of any other circle. 
because it wouldn't be a circle. Oh my. It's infuriating. Absolutely infuriating. Um, but no, no, no. Like, as ridiculous as that is, it does get even more ridiculous. Um, so coming in at number five is the idea that Michael Jackson was killed by the Iranian government. And the whole theory behind this is um, there's, like, shit going on in Iran around the time that Michael Jackson died. Um, I believe, I'm pretty sure it was just uh, they're having an election. But then Michael Jackson died. So to take the heat off of all the controversy going on in Iran, they decided to replace it with the fact that Michael Jackson died. I didn't know that the Iranian government gave a shit what was going on in American uh, social media trending topics. But apparently they do. If you subscribe to this conspiracy theory, at least, you do. Uh, coming in at number four, Hollow Moon. I, I mean, okay. Four, three, and two are all kind of connected. But, yeah, coming in at number four is the Hollow Moon Theory, which is effect, uh, spaceship moon. is another term for it. Basically, it just says aliens have just been watching the earth from the moon for millennia yeah um the moon is just it just looks like that on the outside but inside there's a thriving community of aliens what kind of aliens you ask oh we'll get there Coming in number three, Concave Earth. And this... I personally feel like this idea works in direct opposition of the Hollow Moon theory. But basically, Concave Earth says the entire universe is inside the Earth. And it's only thanks to... Not anti-gravity. I forget the what the um, exact phrase is because, holy shit, I went down a rabbit hole reading all these goddamn websites that look like they were made with GeoCities in 2003. Um, there's a lot of blinky, bright text on dark backgrounds. If you can envision that. Um, my brain is mush. Trying to recollect all the bullshit that I've read over the last, I don't know, two, three hours. Basically, this is that gravity doesn't pull us to the center of the earth. Something is repelling us to the surface of the earth and effectively to man i i can't even like tr seriously talk about this because the whole idea is the entire universe is in the earth and basically when we look at all the stars and shit like that on the other side of all that is the other side of the earth i can't i just can't i can't 
Now, who would really want us to not believe that that's how the Earth is? And who wouldn't want us to believe that the moon is hollow? Well, there's only one group of people, and they're coming in at number two on this list of conspiracy theories, and that are the fucking reptilians. Yes. Also known as reptoids, lizard people, saurians, or draconians. Um, the whole idea of like reptilians as an alien life form that really controls all of mankind didn't exist until 1929. Because um, it was just in a story called The Shadow Kingdom, which was published in a Weird Tales magazine. Yeah. But now, this whole thing has blown up, and now all of the some of the most prominent people in the world over the last hundred years there have all been fucking reptiles yeah yeah all of every major leader of the government reptile which I would completely dismiss but have you met Dick Cheney if there's anyone who is a fucking reptile, it is fucking Dick Cheney. Just look at the man. Case closed. But yes, so the reptilians are inside the hollow moon, watching us humans do our thing, controlling everything we do to make sure that we don't catch on to the fact that we are inside the giant concave earth that contains all of the universe yeah yep. people literally want you to believe this coming in number one it's just my favorite to talk about because it's my one of my favorite favorite things to just randomly bring up is the Alex Jones, I don't know if he created it, but he has definitely been a major pusher and a peddler in this conspiracy theory. But it's the InfoWars idea that fluoride in the water are turning the friggin' frogs are gay. Yes, apparently fluoride is feminizing frogs, turning them gay. I don't even want to give you all the information that I read about this because holy shit I've most of the other stuff I read was at least like sort of interesting I used sort of very very loosely and I used the word interesting very very loosely here but at least it was sort of interesting it was kind of cool to think about the if it were true Fluoride turned frogs gay. I, I There's no redeeming qualities to be had of that. There just isn't. There's no fun mental stimulation, you know, intellectual exercise to be had with entertaining that idea. But that's what happened. And I hate everything with the world right now. And because of that, I'm going to end this right here and now. Um, kind of sure, and I blame the fact that I'm drunk. 
for this being short, but either way. Um, hopefully Doc will be back next week. We'll see what we can do. Follow us on everything at That's Foul Pod. I am Triz Marquis on everything. Alex is AAO Doc on Instagram, and we will catch y'all later. Yeah.